Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things. This time for the Business Week ended 13th August 2021. This is Ian Haydock. This time, a history of Alzheimer's drug development, BioNTech looks beyond COVID vaccines, gene therapy setbacks for Bluebird, new promise for Roche's Polyvi in B-cell lymphoma, and momentum for US drug price negotiation rises. While its US FDA approval and $56,000 price tag have been controversial, Biogen Azize Aduhelm still represents a lot of firsts as the first disease-modifying drug approved for Alzheimer's disease and the first amyloid-targeting therapy to make it all the way across the development finish line. But it was far from the first attempt. Scripp took a look through the history of the Alzheimer's drug pipeline, drilling down into the anti-amyloid drug candidates to put the US approval of Aduhelm in early June into wider perspective. Phase 3 failures across the amyloid class have been high-profile flops, but what is striking about the data, detailed in an infographic in the article, is exactly how many therapeutic candidates attempting to target amyloid, directly and indirectly, ultimately failed to move into later stage development or to succeed in phase 3. 93 drugs and biologics to be exact. Nevertheless, even companies like Lilly, with multiple failed anti-amyloid programs, continue to pursue the amyloid hypothesis, buoyed by Adihelm's regulatory success and the new precedent it has set for accelerated approvals. Mandy Daxon writes that the broader Alzheimer's pipeline, both symptomatic and disease-modifying treatments, still has significant numbers of programmes in various stages of preclinical and clinical development. For instance, 37% of the 17 programmes in Phase 3 target amyloid, but only 16% of the 37 candidates in Phase 1 are anti-amyloid programmes. Drug developers have given up on some mechanisms of action for clearing amyloid from the brains of Alzheimer's patients altogether, such as small molecules targeting beta-amyloid precursor protein cleaving enzyme. Base inhibitors previously were among many closely watched amyloid targeting drug classes. Biomed Tracker lists 493 Alzheimer's drug candidates in the pipeline, including symptomatic treatments and disease-modifying therapies and preclinical through phase 3 candidates and suspended programs. BioNTech's claim to fame may be the COVID-19 vaccine it developed with partner Pfizer, but looking beyond the pandemic, the German biotech especially wants to make its presence known in the immuno-oncology space as it ramps up investment in and development of several product candidates and platforms in various cancers, including under partnerships with makers of checkpoint inhibitors. BioNTech announced its second quarter earnings on 9th August. The company reported revenues of 5.3 billion euros or 6.22 billion dollars versus 41.7 million euros in the second quarter of 2020. That included commercial revenues of 5.28 billion euros, mainly from the COVID-19 vaccine. BioNTech and Pfizer had supplied more than 1 billion doses to more than 100 countries as of 21st July, and as of that same date, have signed agreements to provide about 2.2 billion doses in 2021. The companies have filed for full approval in the US with a January 2022 action date. BioNTech stands to make substantially more money this year as well, expecting about 15.9 billion euros in vaccine revenues in 2021. 
Pfizer revised its 2021 sales forecast for the vaccine to $33 billion and the company's split profits. Alaric Diamond writes that the potential need for additional shots to maintain immunity to the virus, particularly against new strains, could provide a longer-term boost to BioNTech as well. While the success of the vaccine has been a huge windfall, the company has made it clear it doesn't plan to keep its fortunes hitched to the pandemic. Our strategy remains focused on developing a broad pipeline of next-generation immunotherapies and vaccines and bringing them to people worldwide to address unmet medical needs in cancer, infectious disease, as well as in a growing list of other diseases, CEO Ugo Sahin told an earnings call. To accomplish this, we are building a fully integrated global immunotherapy company anchored around deep expertise in immunology and complemented by an expanding set of capabilities. BioNTech now has 15 product candidates and 18 clinical trials ongoing, including three phase two studies, two of which it initiated in the last two months. Bluebird Bio announced two disappointing developments for its gene therapy business, casting a shadow over the planned separation of its gene therapies into a new standalone company in the fourth quarter. The company said it would wind down commercial initiatives for its gene therapy business in Europe after failing for two years to secure reimbursement for its approved gene therapy Zintegro for transfusion-dependent beta-thalassemia. Bluebird also announced that the US FDA placed a clinical hold on its Cell gene therapy for cerebral adrenoleukodystrophy, or CALD, due to a report of myelodysplastic syndromes in a patient treated with Elicel for CALD over a year ago in the Phase 3 ALD-104 study. Evidence suggests that specific design features of the lentiviral vector insertion likely contributed to the event, according to the firm. Jessica Merrill writes that CEO Nick Leshley remained optimistic about the outlook for the gene therapy programme during the company's second quarter sales and earnings call on 9th August. We all believe that the risk-benefit for patients with CALD remains positive, he said. Pending resolution of the hold, we continue to plan to pursue a US regulatory submission this year, he added. Further, he said the company does not believe the case will impact development of lentiviral-based gene therapies broadly, including the development of the company's own programmes. Bluebird has outlined a goal to file for approval of Elicel for CALD, and Zinteglo for TDT in the US this year, followed by a filing of lentiglobin for sickle cell disease in 2022. The latest setbacks come just months before Bluebird plans to separate the gene therapy business from its oncology business, resulting in the creation of two different companies. The company's stock has lost more than half its value since the beginning of the year, a sign of just how sobering Bluebird's gene therapy stumbles have been to investors. Roche's Polivi, in combination with chemotherapy, could become the new standard of first-line therapy in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma after significantly improving progression-free survival compared with standard treatment, the first time this has been achieved in 20 years. The company announced the news from its Phase 3 Polarix trial on 9th August, but revealed no further details. It said only that the results were clinically meaningful and would file with regulators as soon as possible and present them at a forthcoming Congress, a clear sign that Roche is confident the data are robust. Currently, around 40% of DLBCL patients see their disease return after initial chemotherapy, but Polivi, an anti-CD79B antibody drug conduit, 
could reduce this rate and offer many more patients a curative first-line therapy. Andrew McConaughey writes that, as well as transforming patients' prospects, this could also transform Polyvi from its current status as a therapy confined to third-line relapsed or refractory DLBCL, where it currently competes with CAR-T therapies to treat a small number of patients in a limited market. The Polarix trial investigated Polyvi in combination with Mabthera, Rituxan, plus cyclophosphamide, doxorubicin and prednisone versus the standard 5-drug chemotherapy combination Mabtherapy Rituxan plus cyclophosphamide, doxorubicin, vincristine and prednisone. If approved as a first-line combination with the chemo-sparing R-CHP regimen, Roche expects that Polyvi could earn about $2 billion a year. Polyvi's CAR-T competitors, Gilead's Yescarta, Novartis's Kimraya and BMS's Breyanzi are all currently approved as third-line therapies. They are also being studied in first-line therapy, but none so far produce results across all DLBCL first-line patients. The biggest drawback of CAR-T therapies is that they require hospitalisation and strict safety monitoring, which creates a major barrier to their uptake in frontline therapy. By contrast, Polyvi is administered intravenously over six cycles with far fewer safety precautions needed. Finally, US President Joe Biden tried to up the momentum for legislation permitting the US Medicare program to negotiate drug prices directly with manufacturers in a 12th August White House speech, in which he said that the negotiation process should take into account the cost of innovation. In a nod to concerns that the price controls resulting from government negotiation will stifle future innovation, Biden said that the process should not lose sight of the fact that biopharma industry investments should be rewarded, and he emphasised that can be done with government price negotiation. What we are proposing is we will negotiate with the companies based on a fair price, one that reflects the cost of the research and development and the need for providing for a significant profit but that's still affordable for consumers, Biden said. And by the way, if there is significant amount invested in a drug and a fair price is very expensive, we're going to have to figure out how society can provide for that drug to save lives so that people can afford it, he added. Biden's comments are aimed at encouraging broader support for the government price negotiation policy, but it's unclear how workable the approach that he outlined would be. Industry reactions to the speech were sceptical. Comments on fair pricing, insofar as they could be read as conciliatory to industry, could be tempered by Biden's suggestion that the price negotiated by Medicare should also be available to private insurance. It means drug companies would have to sell their drugs to all distributors at the Medicare price or face up to a 95% excise tax, he said. The savings for employers and employees would be billions of dollars a year, Biden claimed. Employers are pushing to be allowed access to the same prices as Medicare because they fear that, otherwise, manufacturers would boost prices in the private sector to make up for what they lose in the government programme. The President also endorsed the idea of out-of-pocket spending caps in Medicare Part D and said his plan would only allow manufacturers to raise prices at the rate of inflation after it is determined how much they have invested and what a healthy profit constitutes. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. A reminder that these stories in full are linked in the article accompanying this podcast. And if you aren't yet a subscriber, please do look at taking a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.